Welcome back to part two of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. If you've missed part one, you've missed us looking back on all the football since the international break with a focus on goalkeeper Ethan Horvath and midfielder Jordan Clark. Coming up in this second part of the podcast, we'll continue our blast from the past section. I'll ask the boys about the plans to um, take away the EFL blackout and we'll look ahead to the fixtures up until the World Cup. Tony, we've done the goalkeeper from that famous afternoon at Main Road 40 seasons ago. We've done the fullbacks. Uh, let's go on the two men in front of the goalkeeper, the two centre-backs. We'll leave Mal Donaghy for a minute because his time at the club's probably known more for further on than uh, that particular afternoon. Uh, but his partner that afternoon, Paul Elliott, a lot of people tell me that but for his knee injury, he could have been one of Luton's greatest defenders. Is that a, a viewpoint that you share? Yeah, without shadow of a doubt, he was total, total class. He, um, I, I remember how he came to the club. It, it, it was halfway through that um, that season. Uh, we'd signed Paul Walsh in the close season to play in the first division, and we needed a centre back. And um, it was uh, Walsh who recommended Paul Elliott to David Pleat. So David Pleat went to Charlton and signed him. And Paul Elliott was just class. Total. As you can see, he went on and he had a great career with Chelsea um, and with Celtic as well. He played for Celtic as well. And um, he, he eventually left us to go to Aston Villa. Uh, after we'd signed Steve Foster, and I, at the time I, I couldn't understand it because I thought, why, why are we signing Foster and letting Elliot go to Aston Villa? Because I thought Elliot was by far the better centre half. But it turned out I was wrong because uh, Foster was a, a key part of that um, rebuilding the team. But Elliot was 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 so classy, you know, nicknamed Leroy. Um, he just looked good on the ball. He could play the ball, um, played well with Mal, and he just looked head and shoulders above her. He looked a real, real prospect. And uh, it was just a bad knee injury tackle by uh, Mr. Saunders that uh, ended his career, which was a sad day. Um, I always liked Paul Elliott, even though uh, I, I can remember the season... He went to Aston Villa. Um, Man United had gone on sort of like they'd won um, 10 games on the trot and they needed one more win to get the record and uh, they came to Luton and it was a one-all draw and Elliot missed one of the <laughs> open goal. <laughs> How the hell? He didn't score, I just do not know. I mean, you know, it was one of those. If, if my two-year-old grandson could have put it in the net. But that's just one of those things. But he was a class act, Paul Elliott. He, he had a lot. He was good in the air, good on the deck, and he had a fair bit of pace about him. I mean, the tendency is to kind of compare that era to the modern one, but he would fit in the modern game, no problem. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. I mean, at modern centre-halves, I, I, I think the centre backs that Luton have had playing for. I think the nearest I've seen to him was probably Curtis Davis, but Paul Elliott was better, better than Curtis Davis. Uh, he'd never let you down. Um, and you knew that in a, um, a, a, a a dead sprint with a with a striker, he'd get there. I mean, you know, they always 
Forrest always used to sing about Des Walker, you never beat Des Walker, but I'm convinced Elliot was faster than Des Walker. Great player, absolutely great. And I think he was a big miss when he went to Villa, and the only reason he went to Villa was because he couldn't he couldn't see himself getting in the Luton side with Fozzie ahead of him. Yeah, which was obviously fair enough. Uh, the man he was alongside that afternoon, I mean, you know, if you're writing out your Luton all-time 11s, this guy's right in there and Neymar Donaghy, not just for the 88 Cup final, but all of the times before that. I mean, even in 83, he'd been at the club long enough that he'd already been in goal at Anfield, hadn't he? which is another famous afternoon of his. I mean, he was obviously instrumental for that whole season, not, not just that afternoon at Main Road. And then, of course, we know... He is a hero of the Littlewoods Cup final in 88. But his time at the club, I mean, it, it was kind of synonymous with the success that we had. And a lot of it was down to just him at the back. Yeah, but the, the thing with Mal Donaghy, I mean, he, he was part of that influx that joined the club um, in 78 where Fleet had just been manager and he was he was part of the influx of uh, Bob Hatton, um Kirk Stevens, Steve Sherlock, all, all those players were born at the same time and, and nobody had heard of Mal Donaghy because he'd only played football in, in, in Northern Ireland. And uh, he came in and, and he wasn't just a centre-back. Uh, that's what he's remembered for, centre-back and uh, the odd appearance in goal. But he played left-back. It might be my memory playing tricks on me, but I can remember him playing... Um, right back as well but he also played midfield for us and in every single position that he played he looked so good um didn't look out of place knew exactly what he was doing mr calm dependable and reliable and he also was a good goal scorer for us as well and he scored some pretty good goals for us um i can remember um the the season you know just before uh, the season we won the old division two and uh, we let Paul Price go to Tottenham and I I, I couldn't believe it you know I, I was like why is he letting Paul Price go and whatever but Pleat knew what he was doing because he, he, he slotted Mal in there and you know Mal it turned out to be ten times the player that Paul Price was and uh, no it, it's and don't forget he was Luton's most capped player as well but he, even when he went in goal, he never let us down and, and he could have made uh, goalkeeper his permanent position as well. You know, he, he, you know, I remember him playing in goal in a game at Cambridge. He went in goal. Um, we were, If I remember rightly, we were down to 10 men and we ended up winning the game 3-1. And uh, again, he, he, he just, his shot stopping, his positioning, his handling, his catching in the air was just superb. And that was all down to him playing Gaelic football. And as well as that, lovely bloke, very, very um, quiet, um, you know, wouldn't say boot or goose, um, and very private person as well. And ultimately, when he left us to go to Man United, it was because he'd always been a Man United fan and he, that was a good move for him and he played for Chelsea. And I remember him coming back on loan for us. And I remember his... Um, his testimonial game as well. A lot of people turned up for that, and it was it was great to see him. And you know, it it, it the sort of player that Mal is. He, I know he's um, in Northern Ireland and he's coaching now, um, and he's been invited to come back to Luton and you know with Littlewoods Cup celebrations. But that's not him. You know that you know he, he's not up for that. He doesn't want any publicity or anything like that. But a nice guy. 
nice guy and, and one of the classiest centre-backs we ever had. And definitely another one who walked into the modern game, didn't he? No definitely problem. both of them, yeah. And I, I, I know that um, Ferguson had tried to sign him for Man United a few times uh, before uh, he actually got his man. Um, but I know at one time that um, Liverpool tried to sign Donaghy and Foster both together as a central defensive pairing. Uh, but Pleat told them where to go, basically. You know, <clears throat> they wouldn't offer the money. And, and at the time, that, that was a class Liverpool team as well. And, um, you know, that was a compliment in itself. But, you know, I've, I've, I've been lucky um, in, in my time being a Luton fan that I, I've seen some some great players play for us and, and some really good centre-backs, you know, in... Um, you know, um, going back in it, like Chris Nicholl, uh, you know, Maxi Faulkner, Alan Garner, you know, Paul Futcher, uh, coming right through to um, Mal. Mike Saxby as well, another, another good good player, which is such a shame about his career um, ending injury. Um, but... Uh, Donaghy wasn't the type that, you know, blood and guts on it, but he went about his job and he took a good player to beat him. And the best partnership was when he was with Fozzie. They looked, you know, you you had to do something to, to, to get past the two of them. And with madcap Les Seeley behind them, <laughs> if you were a centre forward, they were going to get you one way or the other, you know. But no, they, and, and they on that game, that day at, at Main Road, the, the two of them were on top form. And City never looked like scoring. No, they really didn't. Uh, for those that are listening and wondering why we've not covered Mike Saxby, we will do the squad players down the line. We'll just go through the first 11 in the early part of the season uh, on these podcasts. It's great having you, Tony, because I love recollecting about this season and your knowledge of that season's fantastic. And it's it's just a really good part of the podcast, isn't it, now that we can uh, that we can look back on that with, uh, with such brilliant memories whilst... Equally, Hang look. On, I'm just going to pinch myself because <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting some compliments. In. I've got witnesses as well. <laughs> Whilst equally looking and enjoying what we're currently seeing as well. So, um, teeth there, Kevin. Absolutely. I, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be going. It's uh, it's yeah. Well, it's Halloween on uh, Monday, so that's my trick or treat um, <laughs> moment. Uh, that's for sure. Let's bring it back to the modern day then, James. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, it came out in a newspaper report that when the next broadcast deal is done for the EFL, the EFL I want to lift the 3 p.m. blackout. Uh, just for those that don't understand, the 3 p.m. blackout is there. No game can be on television on a Saturday at 3 o'clock because it's basically there to protect the league pyramid, the crowds further down the pyramid, uh, with the assumption being that if you could watch a Premier League game at that time, you wouldn't go and watch a lower league team or your lower league team. Whether that's true or not, whether that's still relevant or not, I don't know. But what's your views on it? Should it stay? Is it? Is it outdated? What 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 do you think? Oh, it's totally outdated. Um, in, in the modern world we live in, where the different ways you can watch things. I mean, I mean, I I can't even remember the last time I watched live television. Um, if it wasn't a football match, because you can just watch watch things you want to watch and catch up. It's probably why live television is such pants at the moment because most people, especially I imagine the younger generation, what. They're all on Netflix or watching things on internet and stuff like that. Because you can have it whenever you want. And I don't buy into that idea that if there's going to be games televised, like a Premier League game, you'd watch that over your team. 
because I've only got myself to judge it on and I I would I don't have Sky because I'm not interested in so called Soccer Saturday or Super Sunday when it's you know, if they're not your team, I'm not interested. I'm not there are people I know that watch every bit of football going, but it's not for me. I can't really get into it if I've got no vested interest in it. But to lift the blackout for all people that can't afford the game, um, that can't afford to constantly go to the games, it's really expensive. We talked about the price of football a couple of co- podcasts back and obviously the, the cost of living crisis now. You're not going to be able to afford it all the time. Sometimes you're not going to be able to afford it at all, depending on what's happening in your life. You know, if you've got the, if, the, if there's the choice between heating and eating, then football's not even in the equation, is it? So True. if there's an option to support your team in another way and watch it um, on, a, on an iFollow or whatever, I mean, they've got to improve iFollow really, haven't they? But um, well, I think the old idea is that they're actually going to sell the broadcast rights to a streaming giant, aren't they? An Amazon, a Netflix, a, uh, an Apple yeah, TV, well, that fine, kind do of thing. It. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, if, if, if somebody gave me... Um, a season ticket to watch my club. Um, you'd, you'd you'd buy it if you weren't able to go to the games. Well, this was going to be my next question, Dan, because yeah. it now suddenly opens up a revenue stream that clubs don't have. Uh, they're edging towards that now, anyway, aren't they? Because yeah, they in midweeks you're allowed to buy buy your money, uh, buy your game on iFollow if you haven't got the Sky Red button. You pay your ten pound, and you, you you know, like Norwich last week, you watch yeah. it on iFollow only for midweek games, not for Saturday games as at, at present. But it's a revenue stream for clubs, isn't it? And if they're that worried about it affecting attendances, surely you just match the ticket price and the streaming price a lot closer yeah. so that you're tempted to go to the game still if you want to yeah but if you want to sit at home pay five pound cheaper or whatever and not get that atmosphere then that's the way you go as well well this is it this often makes up my mind whether i go to an away game or not because in fact i work as a contractor i've got two different jobs <clears throat> excuse me and a family to support so my first thoughts is where is it is it within a couple of hours can i get there how much is it going to cost? Fuel ticket. Have something to eat before I get in. Before you, before all that's in there, you, you've spent hundred quid already. Or can I stay at home, pay a tenner, knowing that ten pound goes to my football club because I'm watching it through their stream, and I'm more than happy to sit and do that. I want to tick off the ninety two grounds, but I'm not going to be able to all the like too quickly. And it's the next best thing. I mean, I don't live in Luton. I haven't lived in the area for over 20 years. So I've always had to travel at least an hour to get to a game on a Saturday. And I work Saturday nights and Friday nights and invariably getting to games is a bit of a, it's it's an ask on me. Um, And sometimes I just can't get to Luton in time or I can't get to an away game. But I can for two hours between three and five sit and watch a game of football. And... For, on a personal level for me and I know a lot of people think this as well for supporters of other clubs yeah I, I used to live in Colchester but I can't get there because it's over two hours away uh, so I don't watch them no more and you, every, football should be for everybody and I think like what James said about live TV thing of the past it is and football is a bit like it was with VAR you know it was in tennis and rugby for years before and football suddenly woke up and thought oh hang on maybe we can profit from this <laughs> Um, the the downside is I think um, I think you touched on it slightly is that the, the lower down you go 
I mean, I go and watch Brackley Town sometimes. That's the nearest club to me. Um, they invariably get 400 to 800 a game, which isn't a lot. And there's everybody there's got a second team. There's Oxford fans, there's Luton fans, there's other fans of bigger clubs, whatnot. If they've got the option to watch their own clubs, it probably does take a large element from them sort of clubs and you might see some of them struggling. Um, but then success breeds interest, doesn't it? So on that, on that, you know, the Brackley invariably do quite well and end up near the playoffs every year. Um, interest gets built up. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. So you, you do worry a little bit there, but when you're looking at it from our point of view, Luton have got fans all over the world that are still going to, you know, there's people that, I know from looking online, there's people who live in Norway, come over once every couple of months. There's people who live in America, Australia and so forth. And this, this, you know, it, it was a godsend during lockdown for all of us. So why not? Perhaps for God's sake, wake the, up. Perhaps <laughs> the, when you talk about that with the Brackley thing, perhaps yeah. the model of football and how how and when it's played for the, for clubs like that, yeah. maybe further down, maybe it has to change because if there's going to be the increased choice further up the pyramid, mm. um, you know, the women's game has moved around all over the place to try and find a slot yeah. that doesn't compete with the men's game so you can still get it. So, you know, I know there'll be traditionalists all throughout football who say, no, you have to play your football at three o'clock on a Saturday. But maybe further down the pyramid, they have to maybe think about whether well, they've changed the day. or So, so it's maybe a Sunday or you play it earlier, you play yeah. it later, something like that, so it competes. You can't have it both ways, can you? You can't yeah. say, oh, you've got to play Saturday at three o'clock and then not go and watch it on Saturday at three o'clock, exactly. can you? you, know, you, in, you I'm okay, just taking that, that, that example yeah, no, in, in point. If you've got Oxford fans and Luton fans, you, you'd say that the, the Football League, they'd probably be playing it three o'clock most of the time. Yeah. But if you go further down and if there's people that would go to Brackley because they can't go to Oxford, they can't go to Luton, then maybe they'd still go to Brackley if the game was played on a Sunday or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Or if Luton or Oxford played the evening kickoff, say 7.45 or whatever, you can still go to Brackley at three o'clock and then go to the pub, watch your team after and it's there, isn't it? You, well, you know, I mean, clubs aren't losing out that way. I mean, if a, if a game it. takes place at three o'clock and then the Brackley game takes place at, say, 5.30... The modern world is that you can take an iPad or a tablet or something into the bar or something. You, yeah. just, you know, I can't, the club offers you Wi-Fi and you sit and watch yeah. your team and then you're there to watch the I game can't, I can't afterwards. Have, do you know what I mean? I it's can't like have the iPad on in the car though, when I'm driving. No, 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 not when you're driving. <laughs> but it. you know, you could get to no. Brackley at three yeah. o'clock to watch the Luton game and then go yeah. outside and watch the Brackley game. I mean, if I, I'm you were desperate. To yeah, watch it's both. just that. I mean, you if, know, you sometimes you've got to make an effort yeah. to do what you want to do. You know, you not 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 just have everything come to you sort of thing. I mean, the thing with attendances as well. I, I accept what Dan said about those lower down the, the, the pyramid. Um, if you look at those at Championship or EFL, you know, EPL, whatever, you, you find that like the whole game on the Friday night was live on Sky. There were still plenty of Luton fans, weren't there? Same at Norwich. Yeah. So you, I think well, you'll find that there's there are armchair football fans who would yeah. prefer to there are people that prefer to watch it on television. Yeah. They're mental, really, because but, I, I mean, think you I, get a whole I, different I, perspective on the game of football. Four of us here, yeah, we, we're we're of the sort that um, you know you'd rather be there than would. watching yeah. it on the telly because you like would. the atmosphere and and the whole thing. You know, maybe having a beer beforehand, the journey there or whatever. Certainly, I don't think any of us here. Um, Got got season tickets would uh, stay at home and 
and watch it on no. the telly. Yeah. No, this is the thing. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm with James. I'm well in favour of them lifting this 3pm blackout yeah. and streaming games. And I go to every game. So I will never watch, you know, I've missed, since we come back into the league, I've missed a handful of games and I've literally been on my deathbed to miss them. You know, I, I, as a rule, it's, it's just the way I'm made up. I don't miss looting games unless, you know, something catastrophic happens. So uh, it doesn't really apply to me, but I would still lift it because... Oh, the world, the world's changed yeah. since the eighties and nineties. Well, not you, everyone can get to like the, you, Dan. Yeah. Not everyone can get to a football match. Not everyone can afford to go to a football match. And also, we're all pretty okay with it. But if you've got a young kid, it's not necessarily always safe to go to a football match. As horrible and as stupid as that sounds in twenty twenty two, particularly if say you're a single mum, you know, it's, even now football grounds is not brilliantly safe for women to go to and that's They're ridiculously no, they are getting better though. they are getting better they're mm. getting much better but it, you know but not, but not i could understand if i if you know if i was a single mum why i'd be reluctant to take my child to the game but yeah. that, but he still shouldn't miss out on watching his team so, play please, because going, of that yeah i mean going off topic slightly i did take my, my two-year-old to brackley the other week because i thought it was going to be about 500 there and he doesn't have to watch the game too much i can sort of keep an eye on him and the game at the same time um the reason I haven't talked to Kenilworth Road yet is because when it goes off, it goes off and he's noise sensitive, you know, so I have to be careful. I allowed to play my music in the car. He moaned at me earlier today. Um, well, you do listen to some shit though. <laughs> have, you, have you seen my playlist? <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you after. But yeah, that's going off topic anyway, because I, I think that too, he's a bit young, not ready yet, but. I mean, like James says, the, the, the modern world now, the kids now, and I've got two young nieces who live on YouTube. Yeah. They, li- they live on YouTube. Yeah, I've got two you kids know, I, You know, my um, my sister, she may as well not brought the telly because the kids are never going to watch that. They're just going to no. watch YouTube on their tablets. So the football should be available on it. Like you said, James, you can watch a stream anytime you want. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, it's hard to avoid the score these days, but you know, if you if you're hell bent on doing it, you can do. Yeah, but you can watch it on your phone at, at, at the on time. On the go, but yeah. I give you another example. You know, we all railed against the European uh, breakaway league, Super League, that happened. Yeah. Um, they're still trying to push that through. Some of yeah. them, um, particularly Florentino Perez of uh, Real Madrid, and his big argument. Well, Barcelona now they've gone out of the Champions League. As well. Yeah, mm. but one of his big arguments is. And it's um, he's not provided any evidence for this, so you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Is that um, it, young people are turning away from the game, and I don't think that's necessarily true. No. I think that they just consume uh, entertainment, and that's what football is—entertainment in different ways. And so, the argument from him, his perspective, I don't think that's right in terms of the European Super League, but in terms of providing access to the f- game of football for. Uh, people that want to watch it in different ways it just makes sense but football is so entrenched in um tradition sometimes yeah. stifling What's- sometimes and they they're so slow to move with the times and pick things because it's such a popular game they they sort of rest on their laurels really and don't really get on board with these things but i think if you want to move forward uh with technology in the game then you've got to move forward with technology to be able to watch the game. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, everybody. I mean, when Bournemouth were here last year, Scott Parker was watching our game on a stream on his iPad in the dugout, wasn't he? Uh, to, um, <laughs> to, to use another example for your point, 
when the BBC renegotiated the Premier League deal for Match of the Day, they insisted that Match of the Day was good to go on iPlayer at midnight. You used to have to, you used to, have to wait until halfway through the following day. Yeah. And now, when all the figures are quoted, they quote the live figure and the iPlayer figures. And you find that the iPlayer figures are an awful lot higher because, let's face it, so many people are on the lash at half ten on a Saturday night. Mm, you come in, you come in half twelve, one o'clock, steaming. You can stick the old match of the day on the iPlayer yeah. and, happy, and happy days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watch it during the week. In, yeah, exactly. In exactly. I mean, I watched, I watched match of the day this afternoon from from Sunday. I mean, I weren't watching fucking football on Sunday. I don't had, had enough of that sport for last yeah. bit of lifetime Sunday afternoon. But yeah. it just goes to show that. The world's moved on. You but know, the, you look now, the, the most popular, whenever you're looking at an app store, the most popular apps are Netflix, Amazon, yeah, yeah. BBC, you, you, iPlayer, you, ITV right, Hub. James, in, it's in, been in heading that football way. Football does have to get into the modern world and adopt certain things. But the other side of it as well is a lot of the things that they do adopt and try to do, you think, why on earth are they doing that? Why are they, you know, and it, it, it's trying to find that happy balance but I, I, I can't see any arguments against this well what will, what will be I interesting mean, when, when, I can say just that when you think about it and, and Dan touched on it earlier you know if you're going to take a kid to the game everybody thinks of the ticket prices but yeah. you look at the price they, they charge for food and drink at games programs and, and it's the nine times out of ten the food is shit but it's not just that it's the cost of travelling to the games as well whether you go by coach train or whatever the total package and it, it's just you know they think people are made of money yeah I mean the interesting thing on this and I'm sure it's something that the EFL are going to look at you know how I like MLS they've just agreed a deal from next season all of their games are on Apple TV there's no, it used to be like every team would go on its own local TV network because they all have their own TV networks in every major city out there. Now it's Apple TV and now you can stream whichever game you want, whenever you want, however you want. You just pay your season ticket for Apple TV and you get access to all the games. So I'm sure that the EFL are going to look and monitor and see how that goes. And um, yeah, I mean, you've got to look into it. I think the the the, uh, the old argument of um, people won't go to the games just doesn't stack up. Um Tony, you've read that very good book of Can We Have Our Football Back, Please, yeah. by John Nicholson. They don't give away the figures very often for it, but the, the figures are really poor for um, for certain games. Well, Most in, games, really. In this article that I read last week, apparently Sky Sports viewing figures for the championship is lower than it's ever been. Mm. Now, they quoted because Leeds and Notts Forest and all your other big, your villas and, you know, all your fan, your, your huge fan bases in the championship, they're not in it this season. To an extent, there's an element of that, but surely that in itself is telling you why streaming should be there anyway, because those teams are always on TV every week because more, more fans need to see them on TV because, you know, they've got more fans than they can get in their Sorry, grounds anyway. So problem. it's kind of... <clears throat> Broadcast only really benefits the massive clubs. So you, if you've got a 60,000 seat stadium and you've got 5 million supporters that can't get in and you most of your supporters in the far east let's say then it then that benefits there but most clubs they probably still they most clubs still have a fan base that can't all fit in the ground but they're not they're not going to go anyway because they're, they're here there and everywhere and it's just it's just catering for more football fans to get but the it, games in front of them. The game has changed so much. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember back when I first started going to watch the town on, on a Saturday, you could 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go. And then you could go right up until half past two and then they suddenly, yeah, I'm going to go to the game and just turn up at the church, mm. turnstile, queue up and go in and they'd cram everybody in, pack you all in. And, and it was brilliant. Yeah. You know, very, very few ticket games. And it's, it, it's so different now. So, you know, you, it, you look at some, you know, like us, um, all our home support season ticket holders, and we've got a waiting list for season tickets. Well, those people that want to watch the town, why they should they be denied that? Yeah, I mean, based on the empty seats that were at Vicarage Road on Sunday, you can still go down there half hour before the game and get a... Um, well, I, I, get a, get I, a I, I, you know, yeah, I thought I was at Milton Keynes, no, actually, I tell a lie. I think at Milton Keynes is like uh, thirty seats per per supporter, isn't there? I think at Watford on on Sunday it was like twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, though, if clubs want fans to keep on going, they have to give them a reason to keep on going, don't they? Whether that's ticket pricing, whether that's the uh, atmosphere at the game, whether that's the whole experience, that is for the club to work hard to get people to go. But football shouldn't be restrictive. I've just, I've just got this, sorry, I've just got this metal picture. The next time Watford play Luton at Vicarage Road, there'll be all these Watford loads of empty seats and they'll be sitting on the toilet at home watching their iPads. Well, you know, but that I, I just think restricting it in this day and age, you know, football, like you say, James, football needs to... Uh, I think you've got yeah. also think about access to the game as well. Because yeah. if, you, if you can't go to um, football games for whatever reason, then also you're not going to be able to pay money for a streaming service. So I think there's also got to be a balance between a subscription service that you pay for to watch that that will have to happen because there's, there's going to have to be some money made. But I think they, then they're going to have to pick maybe a game a week that goes free to air. I, I really believe in this and all the evidence of, um, uh, well, if you take other sports, all the evidence of when cricket got taken off terrestrial TV and put on sky and then, um, access the game and participation in the game just dropped off a cliff. Well, the, the, and then it came back for the world cup, uh, last year or the year before the, the obvious the, the example is the women. Yeah. But women. Yeah. The, the figures are massive for the women because you get to watch it. They're, they're, doing that right and also during the pandemic there was a premier league game on bbc every so often as well wasn't yeah. there which was obviously the most figured so listen it football has to come has to get with the times that's basically what we're um, saying but i think generally we're in agreement that this 3 p.m blackout can um, go to the bin um let's finish this podcast off then there's five games between now and the world cup um so should i say between <coughs> now and when england Ooh. begin to win the world cup ha 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 um now that's the funniest thing you've said all evening, Kevin. <laughs> I did say it with very much my tongue firmly in my cheek. <laughs> uh, James, we play Sunderland on Saturday, uh, first time since League One since the League One days. Um, two nil up at the weekend, lost four two. So um, you know, both our defences have taken a bit of a shellac in um, in the weekend. But this team, when they get battered always fight back. You think of last season against Birmingham, last season against Fulham and the season two before that against Brentford. Uh, whenever it takes a good idea, it comes back and um, shows the fight and the character that it's got. Yeah, you'd hope so. That's been the case um, <laughs> in recent seasons. And this one is, this one stings more, doesn't it? So they've got more to prove to come back on this one. Um, 
Uh, and that, you know, playing against a Sunderland side, I did a Sunderland podcast earlier today. Um, and the guy on there was saying they're, they're either, um, you know, fairly tight or they'll ship loads of goals. So I hope it's the, the latter when they, they come down this way. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's a good, I mean, they went quite well to start with, didn't they? The good, good. Then the manager e- walked off to Stoke. Yes. Who's, yeah. who's been there before, I wonder. Yeah, exactly. So they know how, uh, know how we feel. Really. Ironically, <laughs> our first game after that happened to us was Sunderland away, wasn't it? It, it was, yeah. yeah. Good, good result, actually. Galvanising result, that, wasn't it? So, um, so they're not going to like this Sunderland, but you would be looking at Sunderland expecting to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, don't say that around Nathan because we shouldn't be expecting to beat anyone after um, the comments he made against Blackburn. But you're absolutely right. We should be expecting to beat Sunderland. And I would wager, Tony, we're expecting to beat Reading in the game that follows that on the Tuesday night. Yeah, but... Um, Although people will tell you we never win on Sky TV, don't they? No, no, you're right there, Kev. But um, Reading are doing better than was predicted. They're doing a lot better. Um but we always seem to play well against teams that are doing well in the top half. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think I think we'll win that. Give us two one on that. They're a home and an away team, aren't they? Yeah. Reading. They're very good at home and well, very not good away. And uh, let's hope that they're very not good away a week on Tuesday. Then we go to Blackpool, um, Dan, where hopefully there'll be plenty of fireworks in their net, not just. Uh, Going up in the sky at night uh, on bonfire night. Uh, good win there last season, 3-1. Yeah. Um, they're another one. They're hovering around the bottom end, but they scored four goals against Preston at the weekend. And I don't think Preston had conceded four goals or indeed scored four goals uh, for the rest of the season prior to that. So that was a bit of a weird one. But yeah, the game before that, though, they'd lost comfortably to Hull, who were the poorest side I've seen in the championship for quite some time. So uh, I'm guessing we've got a Jekyll and Hyde team that we're up against that day. Yeah, I, th- I think it very much rides on how we get on against Sunderland and Reading. Um, on, from our point of view, certainly, because barring the weekend, we, you know, we went into that unbeaten and going well and could have potentially gone top. Um, but yeah, Blackpool away... It's not always easy, especially the time of year. Usually cold and windy and horrible. I've done it. Okay, before. was it windy last year? Jesus mm-hmm. Christ! I mean, last time I went to Blackpool, we were just walking along the seafront and we got took by the wind to where we were going to go. My steps counter was didn't get added to because we were, we flew, <laughs> flew <laughs> yeah. up the street. It was blowing that. It was blowing um, that hard um, last year. I, I broke the speed camera at one point, and anyone who's seen me knows that I'm not breaking those speed cameras very often. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you'd think Blackpool would be used to that um, that strong wind up there and it doesn't seem to do them too many favours because they're not always that good, are they? So I'm expecting us to go there and get three points, to be honest. I've written 2-0 down here, so I'm sticking with that. Yeah, weird side. Um, they're the opposite to QPR, aren't they? They've lost their manager to go to Aston Villa and be... Um, Gerard's assistant, obviously, is not there yeah. no more, but uh, Michael Appleton's taken over there. He's been around this division enough to um, for us to know how he plays and things like that. I think he's been there before as well. Yeah, he was there um, uh, prior to that, prior to Critchley. I was trying to think of his name. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, then it's a, a nice little trip to our um, favourite house in uh, Stoke. Um <laughs> Obviously, should have taken place uh, last month, but unfortunately, the Queen passed and didn't uh, let that game go ahead. So, 
I mean, you look at the table, we haven't actually got a game in hand of many, so I'm guessing there's quite a few games that night, but uh, no reason not to think that we can go to Stoke and win. Obviously, we've done that last season as well. Danny Hilton opened the scoring that night. Uh, won't be opening the scoring this time around, obviously, but Cameron mm. Jerome might score. He was on the score sheet that night as well. Yeah. Um, that was a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, midweek, one of, Tuesday. yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday night. Um, repeat. You'd like to think so now that that monkey's off the back, really. Um, and they haven't exactly kicked on under Alex Neil either, have they? If anything, they've got, well, certainly no better. Yeah, another side that buys hot and cold, don't they? Yeah, yeah very much so. Uh, they're Very probably, average. I mean, I don't pay a lot of attention to Stoke, but certainly the reason... That My bloody Twitter feed does, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, certainly the reason Jones wasn't that successful up there is because it just it's the, the culture of the club just seems completely off but what is it though because everyone goes there thinking they're the ones to turn it around six months later they're like oh shit we ain't gonna turn <laughs> well it it, it's money in it that's what it is they go, they've got they're one of the richest owners um division and um there's you, you said there that um the the Sunderland manager uh obviously went up there but Sunderland are a bigger club than stoke so it can only be money. I ain't saying nothing here. My Twitter feed took a battering from Stoke fans last year. I could do without all the notifications this year. This is firmly on you, this one. They are. <laughs> when you've got that much money uh, against uh, someone like... I hear Stoke aren't even the biggest club in Stoke. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what Robbie Williams would have, you believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... Um, they for for the amount of money they've got, the amount of resources they've got, um, they're punching below their weight and loot and punch above, and you just hope that that turns out to be the the form when they when they meet. Yeah, the fact Alfie Doughty left there to come here, obviously, yeah, says enough of, as well. Uh, and then I'll get all of your views on the last one, Rotherham at home, the last game for four weeks because of the World Cup. Um, mm. <laughs> another team has changed the manager. Um, to be fair would it be quicker talking about the ones that ain't changed their manager even this early in the season um, but they got done by Hull at the weekend as well again mm. it's, it's a bloody good effort to concede four to them though because I think they could have been still playing now when we played them they well, wouldn't I've, have scored I've, four I've got a soft spot for Rotherham it's um, my son is in um, uh, he's looked after up there in, in that part of the world in Donny and when he went to special needs school up there um, a lot of the staff up there where, where he lived were Rotherham fans. And uh, I'd go up and I'd been to Rotherham Millmore a few times, went to the with Dean. And he, even when, you know, it wasn't a Luton game, I'd go, they'd take my boy and we'd go up there. And, uh, you know, I like to see them doing well. It's a good club and they've been through a rough period as well. Um, but when it comes to uh, them playing Luton, uh, that goes out the window and I want to um, I, I think we will beat them and I, I think I can see us putting at least three past them I think if we're going to achieve what we want to achieve this season you have no disrespect but you have to beat Rotherham home. I think so and like you said no disrespect because we haven't got to give them right to beat anybody through. I, I want to see them survive um, in the championship I'd like yeah. to I've, I've always liked Rotherham I've but no particular reason they'll have to go pear shaped not to survive won't they because Huddersfield are dire and uh, one or two others ain't much better no that's it I mean given, given the way we play sometimes like you go back to the QPR game when we really turned it on whether we played the occasion that day or not you know, no we only play the game not the occasion <laughs> but we have 
we have played like that a few times and I, when we play like that it's only a matter of time before we give someone an absolute stuffing and that could be one I have written 2-0 down here to play it safe because my predictions are as bad as James's at times nothing's that bad I'm, <laughs> sitting, I'm, I'm sitting on the fence with all of these yeah. by the way nil-nil <laughs> draws take nil-nil now yeah <laughs> you take that you I mean the one thing you'd say James is there's no reason to leave anything out on the park because you're not playing for another four weeks although I do believe there's going to be a friendly uh, the week before the Middlesbrough game but that'll be announced down the line well, yeah, I mean, you know my feelings on the World Cup. It's an absolute bloody disgrace that it's happening yeah. when it is, where it is, at the time it is. But the fact that they're going to get four weeks off, <clears> if you're not leaving everything out on the pitch that afternoon, what yeah. are you saving it for? I mean, it's... joins you've done it. I, I do worry, um, and this thought has only just occurred to me now, so <laughs> hear me out, but uh, I do worry I thought if... I thought I saw a light bulb switch on it, <laughs> actually. That's rare. It's flickering. <laughs> Whether they'll sort of use this as a test run for a winter break... I think we're all fairly. I don't think so because I don't think the managers will agree to it. Because you look to a man, they're all out on their ass, aren't they? These players now, you just can't. You just can't do it. Mm. Certainly, I mean, they might do it in the Premier League, but they're they're halfway there anyway. But not in the Championship. You can't. Well, like we said, if they if they get their way in in the EPL, you can't do. You know full well they'll be out in the far east playing friendly. You can't do Mm. a forty six game. Less football. You can't do a 46-game championship season with a break in it. It just ain't going to make... You just can't do it. I mean, look at the... Well, look at what's happening now. It's yeah. just ridiculous. The international um, breaks as it is. Yeah, really. everyone's out on their ass now, aren't they? And we've given still the, got four, five games to go yet. That, and given the quick turnaround we have from last season to this season, the players had an extra couple of weeks where... The, well, not off sort of thing. And... You know, and, and then they've got to have a four-week break in the season. And, and it's just adding to fitness problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, during those four weeks, the players are going to come in, knowing there's not a game, do they play another inter-squad inter friendly? Well, I would imagine uh, for the first two weeks, they get a couple of weeks off to go on their yeah. own. Yeah, right. You so have to build back up to it, don't you? Yeah. To be but I'm pretty sure, as I say, ready. I'm pretty sure there, there is a friendly the Saturday before the Middlesbrough game that okay. will be announced in due course. Um whether it, whether that's open to fans or not, I mean that's obviously up to them. But I'm 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 ninety percent certain that there's a friendly arranged. But you know they're going to get time off, aren't they? They're going to go on a, on. They're going to you know I think Nathan alluded to it anyway in a previous press conference. They'll get a week to their devices and then slowly yeah then slowly build up. But we had this with COVID last year anyway, didn't we? We had a you know, forced four week break. So that's that side of things, nothing new. So, I mean, that worked to our favour, didn't it? When yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we've got five games up until the World Cup. There's no none there really that you look at and you think, I can't, well, I'm I can't a bit worried about that. For next season until we get back to some sort of normality, a proper season. Yeah. Well, we'll only be playing 38 games in the Premier League next season anyway, mate. So we'll, we'll win most of them anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're eighth now. If we're not eighth in the Premier League this time next year, what's going on? I oh, know. Right. Sat the board. <laughs> we'll, you will be blue, won't you, Kev? Bloody right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't going there to make up the numbers. Yeah, I mean, just looking sure. at what we've got after the World Cup, you know, the fixtures we've got Middlesbrough away, Millwall home, Norwich home, QPR away, and tough games to go straight back into it. Especially given the time off, we're going to have the gap from competitive fixtures as well. Them. It is the same for them, but it, I mean, this this goes back to a test of how prepared we are. You know, we were all prepared for Sunday till Sunday. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's yeah, one well, of those, does, isn't it? It does you kind know? of show you, and obviously prior not, to that, not, with COVID. not just that, but a million and one things can come into. You're saying that you know, with, the, with the QPR game when we when we spoke to QPR last season about the issues and problems, and we were told the game would take place again on a, on a 
believed in. Either. Well, I mean, to be fair to yeah. them, they said it wouldn't take place again on a Friday night. Friday, and so, yeah, to yeah. their um, to their credit, oh, it's a Thursday, Thursday night this yeah. time round. But I mean, that's a nonsense, which we will come on to in the next podcast, uh, which will be done. Well, well, we'll do that when England go out of the World Cup. So. Um, <laughs> So we're fa- all fa- fa- fairly early in uh, fairly early in November, <laughs> then, lads. First week into yeah. the World Cup. I wonder how many Watford prime ministers, Watford, <laughs> Watford prime ministers, Watford managers, prime ministers, and whatnot. We're going to have whether Southgate will be out before then. It's all to be um, determined. Before we yeah. go, uh, if you're a member of the trust, remember that our AGM takes place on the 17th of November. It does not clash with an England game, fortunately, stroke unfortunately, depending on your um, on your. Uh, point of view uh, purely because it doesn't start until the following Sunday we will be also be releasing a sweepstake competition in line with what we did with the Euros last year Simon has kindly put together all of his spreadsheets again so keep an eye out on our website for that it will be another way of at least following the World Cup and kind of enjoying it whilst we're missing the town for four weeks that's all to come down the line though until uh, next month guys thanks for joining me hopefully the town rebound from Sunday's debacle with four or five really good results and by the time we resume we'll be firmly in the playoffs so uh, thanks for listening everyone and until next time goodbye